0: This is Basketball U. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Welcome in. It's Basketball U on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Tyler Aki talking college hoops with you two times a week. Got a ton of great stuff to get to today. We're going to debut something new here on the show. It's going to be Tyler's top 12. I'm going to give you the 12 teams that I think are the best in college basketball right now. We'll also get to some other news and notes from around college basketball this week as well. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Twitter at Aki underscore. That's Tyler A-K-I underscore. And we love talking college hoops with you on social media as well. Always there for you talking college basketball. Let's though start with, a, on a serious note, uh, the biggest story of the week in college basketball. And that's Chris B. Beard, who has been suspended by Texas after being arrested on a third-degree felony assault charge here. So Chris Beard, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, he took Texas Tech to the national championship back in 2019, came over to Texas shortly thereafter, and has put together a really strong team. But this is a serious matter that obviously overrides anything that's going on in the basketball world right now. And this is something that you, you first and foremost, you feel for the victim in this case, the alleged victim, and hope everything is all right in that regard there. But he was take. He was arrested by the Austin police on Monday, really early in the morning, four eighteen in the morning, on that charge of assault on a family or household member, and there was uh, breathing that was impeded as well. the The third degree felony in Texas has a possible punishment of two to ten years in prison. But right now, obviously, Texas has to deal with this, and you you look at the options right now. First of all, the in the in the short term here when you're looking at texas as as a team um the interim head coach will be the assistant terry who he he has some some head coaching experience in the past at utep as well as at fredson state but texas played a close one against rice last night and the game was, I believe, tied at half, but Rodney Terry will serve as the acting head coach for for the Longhorns right now. After uh, And he had his debut with the Longhorns in an 87-81 victory over Rice, a game that probably wasn't maybe the first thing on the minds of a lot of the, the Texas players when they went into it. Um, But obviously a very serious situation and something that we're going to continue to monitor here because this is something that certainly has a big impact on the Big 12, on the college basketball season, and really on a human life as well, first and foremost, on the the human and the the alleged victim in this case. So our thoughts with with her and and hopefully everything gets figured out in that regard. All right, let's get into the top 12 that I've got my 12 best teams in college basketball right now because we're getting to that point now where the conference seasons are upon us. We've even seen like a sprinkling of some already, but obviously those games don't factor as much into tournament consideration. They're more so for seeding for the conference tournaments. These early conference games that you get in November and December. So I'll count them down. We'll go 12 to 1 here. It's Tyler's Top 12, the 12 best teams in college basketball. Let's start with number 12 here, and that is the Kentucky Wildcats. The Kentucky Wildcats, John Calipari. His team Right now, sitting at 7-2, and two, they're ranked 6th in Ken Palm right now on the heels of their defense. They actually do play a pretty balanced attack. 16th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 8th in adjusted defensive efficiency. And they're finding their stride right now. A little bit of some early hiccups. They began the season 3-2, and two, the double overtime loss to Michigan State in the Champions Classic, Oscar Sheboy's debut. He fouls out in that game, and then Michigan State goes on, holds on to win. And then they get boat raced by Gonzaga out in uh, in Spokane. So it was something where you looked at this Kentucky team, and their two early tests Didn't really pass, but as of late, they have beaten Yale, who is one of the best teams in the Ivy League, a top 80 team in Ken Palm, and then they beat Michigan all the way out in London, a game that was tucked away on an NFL Sunday, but we haven't really seen Kentucky go out and get that big victory, that one that makes you feel like, all right, this is the validation that Kentucky really needs. Oscar Sheboy, obviously a super talented player for this team. The reigning national player of the year. Continues to play very, very well this year. But the big test is going to be this Saturday against UCLA. This is a chance now. Neutral site game for these two teams. But this is a chance at Madison Square Garden for Kentucky to go out and pick up a really strong early non-conference win. And then you get into the SEC and... This team's going to have its work cut out for them in arguably the best conference in college basketball. That is the SEC. When you look at some of the competition in there, you get Tennessee, you get Alabama, you get Arkansas. There's some really, really good teams, even some of the fringe teams like Mississippi State, another really, really strong team, a team that's in the top 25. Auburn's a team that's played pretty well this year too. So there's going to be challenges within the confines of the SEC each and every night. Plus, you've got your Big 12 Uh, sec challenge game as well coming up against kansas that's in the end of january so a lot of really really good chances here for kentucky again i don't think this non-conference is going to hurt them because of the challenge that the sec brings night in and night out this new iteration where sec basketball is all of a sudden a thing of it just it almost feels like football feels like it means a little bit more so 12 the kentucky wildcats number 11 I'm going with the Baylor Bears, checking in in the AP poll at 11 as well. 7-2 and two start, but they have challenged themselves. They went and played in the main event out in Vegas where they split their meetings. They lost to Virginia, who we're going to get to later on because they are in my top 12, obviously. Um, but they lose to Virginia as Virginia was on their ascent. They beat UCLA, a pretty solid UCLA team. The puzzling game, I think, is the blowout against Marquette. Maybe not puzzling that they lost, but puzzling that they lost by 26. I don't think anyone saw Baylor getting absolutely blown out against Marquette, but that's what happened up in Milwaukee. But then they rebound with a neutral site game at the Pentagon in South Dakota. They beat Gonzaga. Low-scoring affair at one of the best shooting gyms in the entire country. You ask any sort of player. They love shooting at the Pentagon. Um... But you look at what Baylor has done this season, it's really uncharacteristic of what we've seen from Scott Drew-led teams that are predicated on defense. This is a team that right now is just narrowly inside the top 50, but they're usually a top 10, top 5 defense, especially when Baylor's at their best. But the offense has certainly been there, albeit not in that game against Gonzaga, but it was enough to win. They are the fifth-rated offense. They can shoot the ball pretty well, top 10 in effective field goal percentage, but they are turning the ball over a little bit more than maybe they would like. So, Again, this is a team that's sort of in transition. They lost some pieces from a year ago, some really critical pieces, and not just that, but losing some pieces from national, uh, the national championship team, too. But Baylor is a team that I'm not worried about, and I think once they get into the Big 12, it'll be uh, not smooth sailing, obviously, but they do have kind of a cushy start to the Big 12 conference. They they wrap this uh, non-con up with Washington State, which will be a, they should win that game, and then Northwestern State and Nichols State. Then you open the Big 12 with Iowa State, TCU, who I think is a little bit better than people give them credit for, Kansas State, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. You don't face the Kansas, the Texas, um, some of the upper echelon teams really in the, the Big 12, some of the teams that are in your class of the Big 12 until January 23rd, that's when you host Kansas. So this team right now, I think they have some figuring out to do, but... They challenged themselves early. Now they've got a chance to, to kind of ease their way into conference play and I think they've got a quality chance of easing their way in pretty nicely and ending up with a really strong record by the time they do get to that Kansas game. We could be looking at a Baylor team that still has just two losses and certainly would garner top five recognition if that were the case. Alright, on to number 10 and that is where we find the Duke Blue Devils. You can find them at 12 in the AP poll right now and if you check on Ten Palm, Duke sitting at 13. But I like the way that Duke has challenged themselves in the early going of this season. Their two losses right now are to Kansas and Purdue. Spoiler alert, they are both ahead of Duke. They are both inside my top 10 uh, of the, the Tyler's top 12 here. So your loss to Kansas five-pointer, lost to Purdue, that was a 19-point loss in the PK-85 there. That, to me, was almost felt like a little bit of a wake-up call because since then, we've seen Duke flip a switch, really. They went out, comfortable win against Ohio State in the Big Ten ACC. They had a comfortable win against BC in the ACC opener. They had a comfortable win against Iowa out at the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden, and then they take care of Maryland Eastern Shore, no problem there. I think that the Purdue loss was kind of the kick in the ass this team needed. It's a young team that's going to obviously go through some growing pains, but this is a Duke team that now is going to be off for a number of days. So their last game they played on Saturday, that was December 10th. They're not back on the floor until they travel on the road to continue ACC play. They're they're in it now. This is all conference games the rest of the way for Duke. Um, so they've got 19 games to go here and not really having much scheduling here because they schedule so much in the early going. You play in the, the PK 85, that naturally builds in a, a lot of games in a condensed span there. But the thing that stands out to me most about Duke is their rebounding. And that's what happens when you've got a pair of seven footers, Kyle Filipowski as well as Derek Lively, who's the number one player in the country for the the latest recruiting class there. I like what Duke has. I don't think the ACC is very strong, and especially if you look at the way it sets up, kind of like what I was saying with Baylor, Kind of a cushy start for Duke to, to get into the ACC. You already have a win tucked under your belt in BC, and then you open on the road against Wake Forest. Then you've got a reeling Florida State team, NC State, another game against BC, Pitt, Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech's all right, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and then you get North Carolina. So you could be undefeated in the ACC into February. And I think that for a team that is as young as this one is right now, you look at uh, the D1 experience for this Duke team. They are ranked 275th out of over 360 teams, so in the back third of all of that. I am I am looking at this Duke team, and I think that they can they'll, they'll be in a good spot by the time they they get to February here. So they're 10 for now, but that certainly can change in an instant. All right. Next up, we've got Texas checking in at 9 on the heels of, of what I mentioned earlier with Chris Beard, as well as the close call against Rice in overtime last night, 87-81. Their only loss, like, let's say we're, we're doing this hockey style right now. Texas has points in every single game. Their only loss came in overtime against Illinois, a game that they really just lost a handle of down the stretch, and that obviously a neutral site game as well for the Texas Longhorns, but I look at this Texas team, it's going to be interesting without their head coach. I don't know what that's going to look like moving forward. Obviously, you see the close call, but you got to wonder what are the emotions like of the players within those confines here. Um, I don't know if this Texas team is built for it for the long term if they don't have Chris Beard, and that obviously is not saying bring back Beard under any circumstances. No, you have to let the the legal process here play out with Chris Beard. Um, but I'm looking at this Texas team right now. They've got some players that I like, but three-point shooting has been a problem for them right now. Outside the top 300, they're under 30%. Meanwhile, they're actually one of the best two-point shooting teams in the entire country. But you look at some of the things that really decide college basketball games, Texas – Not a good rebounding team, not a good three-point shooting team, not a good free-throw shooting team as well. They do take care of the basketball, and they do turn teams over, led by that defense. But when you're missing Chris Beard, who's kind of the architect of that defense, you wonder if some of the principles maybe fall by the wayside. So Texas coming in at number nine in Tyler's top 12. On to number eight, a team that picked up. A nice win over the weekend, and that is the Arizona Wildcats. They handled the Indiana Hoosiers 89-75 to neutral site game out in Vegas. Um, I look at this Arizona team, and I'm really excited for this weekend because they go up against Tennessee. It's the number one offense with the Arizona Wildcats going up against the number one defense in the Tennessee Volunteers. That game will be played in Tucson, but... I think that defense obviously travels a little bit better than offense does. It's going to be fun. It's going to be whether or not Tennessee can slow down the pace against Arizona because Arizona is one of the teams that likes to get up and run on you, and that's why they have an offense as good as they do. The number one shooting team in the country. Um, I like I like this Arizona team a lot. I think they kind of have all the the factors that you need. Some splashy three point shooters. I mean, right now, Courtney Ramey shooting the hell out of the ball. He's forty-seven percent from three on this Arizona team. He's taking the second most attempts out of any one, too. Um, and then the bigs that this team has too with the Zulas Omar Balu, I mean, those are two guys that are going to warrant all Pac-12 consideration. And honestly, one might box the other one out of getting onto that all Pac-12 team. But I'm a huge fan of Tommy Lloyd as a coach. Anyone that kind of follows the sport knows that Tommy Lloyd, a big reason why Gonzaga's had the success that they have had over the past 20 or so years because he was the architect of international players. Um, I like this Arizona team a lot. I really do. It's just going to be a matter of can this defense go out and and give you some spot performances because once you get into the tournament right now, this defense is sitting just inside the top 70 and you're not going to win a national championship with this 70th ranked defense. You're just not, and you kind of saw that play out in their lone loss of the year on the road against Utah. Shooting wasn't there that night. You only muster up 66 points. Meanwhile, you've scored 81-plus in every single other game this season. So Arizona, to me, is going to be a team that I'm excited to watch. They're going to be a fun team all year long, but don't be surprised if they lose some head-scratchers. I think Utah may have been the start of it. But you never know with some of these games. Like, let's say you go up against an Arizona State. Maybe you go up against an unorthodox defense like Washington where they throw that Syracuse-style 2-3 zone at you. If you go up against some of those teams, don't be surprised if Arizona doesn't have it going one night and they lose a head-scratcher to a bottom-feeder in the Pac-12. I think it's certainly in the cards... Um, that they struggle in some of these Pac-12 games. But that was a big, big win against Indiana this past weekend. Big fan of what Arizona can do, especially on the offensive side of the ball. All right, on to number seven in Tyler's top ten. That is where you find the Kansas Jayhawks who currently sit eighth in the AP poll. And if you go over to good old Ken Pomeroy, he likes Kansas at seven, right where I have him. Nine and one this season, Kansas. Their lone loss coming in the Battle for Atlantis championship game against Tennessee, a team that just locked them down defensively. And you've heard me talk about this Tennessee defense so much. I'm a big proponent of what Tennessee brings to the table here. You will hear me talk about them in just a little bit. Um, But right now, you played a couple of quality teams, quality-ish teams, power conference teams, Seton Hall-Missouri last week, and you blew the doors off of both of them. 91-65 against Seton Hall, 95-67 to against Missouri in that Uh, rivalry game between Kansas and Missouri that one actually came on the road too. you play Indiana this weekend it's a loaded college basketball slate this weekend I'll talk about it a little bit more on Friday when I do the picks with Brian Hanley we also have a showcase coming up in Chicago too so really looking forward to how that all plays out but Kansas 14th ranked offense 11th ranked defense according to Ken Palm and they, too, kind of have an easy kind of ride into the the Big 12, much like I was saying about Baylor. Really, it isn't until those two teams meet up with each other um, against on the 23rd, although Kansas does have their punt game that they like to give, and that is when Bill Self likes to give one to his alma mater, Oklahoma State. They will meet up for the Big 12 opener on New Year's Eve. That's a tricky game because sometimes you see Bill Self let that one slip away against his alma mater. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I really like what I've seen in the early going from Jalen Wilson to, I I mean, this is a team that lost to Shia Baji from a season ago, and Jalen Wilson has kind of filled that void on the offensive side of the ball. I I really like what I've seen. So Ken Palm gives out their National Player of the Year ranks. Right now, Jalen Wilson is sitting at second, and that is because, uh, he garners what's called the game MVP, so it's the best, the MVP of each game, according to Ken Pom. and he's garnered the second most of them this year, so that's why he is currently sitting second in the Ken Pom Player of the Year race right now. Here's the thing about Kansas. I don't think they do anything spectacular, but they do everything just good enough, and the way and the schedule that they've played... That's all they really have needed so far. They got the win against Duke in the Champions Classic early in the season. Uh, You picked up a win against NC State and Wisconsin in the battle for Atlantis. They've just been good enough. They haven't done anything spectacular quite yet. I think that this home game against Indiana would be... a a good win for them but I wouldn't qualify it as necessarily spectacular especially since you are playing it at the fog but hey if you go out and beat the hell out of Indiana this weekend and and you go and beat them by 15 points all right then you've convinced me that you're into that really really championship uh, caliber team Um, but Jalen Wilson I really like what I've seen out of him Daywan Harris has been fantastic as well and Grady Dix one of the best shooters in the country at 47% from three, and he's just a freshman right now. So, You're looking to see, can he avoid hitting that freshman wall at a certain point? What happens when the shots aren't falling for him on a given night? How does he rebound out of that? All right, we're halfway through on Tyler's top 12. Let's get to my number 6 team. It's a team you've heard me talk a lot about already, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers, the number 1 defense in the country. The offense has certainly been lackluster. They don't shoot the ball well. They don't turn the ball bo- or they turn the ball over a lot, but they get those possessions back and they get those missed shots back by turning teams over and having the best field goal defense in the country right now. Opponents also are shooting just 20% from 3 against Tennessee. They got a, a nice win against Maryland where they were in command for a good portion of the game against the Terps, a good Terps team, by the way, Maryland kind of clawed their way back into it, but the defense good enough to hold on. It's going to be, can Tennessee be that team that you, you see them win games in the fifties and, and low sixties. And so far they've kind of done that. The one game that got away from them was early in the year against Colorado and Colorado, not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. 5-5 five and five right now. Uh, one of the Pac-12 kind of bottom feeders. But since that game, this Tennessee team on an eight-game winning streak and a road win against Arizona would go a long way for this team. And then you get into the SEC. The challenges are going to take care of itself. This is kind of a stretch here. Going back to that battle for Atlantis championship game, you had Kansas. Then you had three softballs in between. Now you got Maryland and Arizona. I like the way that Rick Barnes has challenged his team, and the defense is going to give him a chance every single night. So uh, the one thing that this team does do well, and it's because they are a veteran-laden team too, Um. They do a great job of sharing the basketball. They are number one in assist to field goal ratio right now in the entire country. That means they are assisting right now on 71% of their made baskets. That's the best in the country. For for a little context here, the D1 average is 51%, but they are leading the pack at 71%, so 20 20% better than than uh country average at the moment. But Tennessee, I love their defense, love the way that they play, and Rick Barnes really needs to start to get over that hump because he has not had the tournament success that he his regular season would certainly indicate. All right. On to number five, and this is another defensive-minded team. You'll find them at number two in Ken Palm, and you will find them at number five in the AP, and that is the Houston Cougars, coming off their loss at home against Alabama, where they let a 15-point second-half lead slip out of their grasp. You don't see that a lot out of offensive, out of defensive-minded teams like Houston is. I mentioned Tennessee, the number two defense in the country. Houston is the or Tennessee the number one defense. Houston is the number two defense in all of college basketball right now. So frustrating loss at the hands of Alabama. A game that you thought, especially in that second half, Houston had a command on, but the the scoring went cold. And one thing that I kind of liken Houston to is they feel like more of the new age Virginia team. Like remember those Virginia teams and still still the case with with Virginia, but slow pace. They don't do a whole heck of a lot offensively. They're efficient on offense, but you're going to win games because of the the defense. And the defense has been there for Houston all season long. Um, This was just their first loss of the season, and it came with the hands of a top 10 Alabama team. I look at Houston, though. There's going to have to be nights where the offense gets going. And a big part of that is going to be what do you get out of Marcus Sasser, a guy who has National Player of the Year recognition and All-American hopes for this season. But Sasser this season is not shooting the ball nearly as well as he has in the past. Last year, he was a 44% three-point shooter. This year, he's shooting under 30% right now. Um, Over the course of his career, he's shooting 35% from three. So this year is really dogging him down. And he's doing it on a pretty high volume of attempts too. Now, Sasser did get injured last year. Um, so that's why his attempts weren't maybe as high, but this is a guy that's going to shoot as lo- all health considered he's going to shoot north of 200 three pointers this season. He certainly was on pace to do that last year. Um, he's already at almost 70 for the season, but he's going to have to to shoot the basketball much better if this team wants to have success. Basically, I think that this the 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 championship hopes for Houston are not going to be defensive laden because the defense is good enough to get them to the final four by itself. It's going to be what can they bring on the offensive end? Can they be an efficient offensive team? Marcus Sasser is a big part of that. He has not shot the ball well the last couple of games. Um, really have to go back to the Norfolk State game where he went ballistic from three, seven of 12 from distance in that game. But He's got to play much, much better and play like that National Player of the Year um, because this is a Houston team that needs to just, frankly, shoot the ball better. They're a solid rebounding team. They don't turn the ball over. They do a good job of of playing defense, as I mentioned, but they're a slow-paced team. They're going to play low-scoring games. And this is a team that doesn't shoot their free throws very well this season. You heard the story from Kevin Sweeney all, all the way back when we were doing our, battle, or our uh, Feast Week previews, and he was talking about how the intensity level that Kelvin Sampson has, they were blowing out a team a couple years ago, and Kelvin Sampson sees a guy miss a free throw and turns around and goes, we must be the worst free throw shooting team in the country. Well, they're outside the top 200 right now, so that's something that certainly has to get better if they want to have NCAA tournament success. All right, on to number four, and that is the team that just beat the Houston Cougars. Grab an or, it is Nate Oates and the Alabama Crimson Tide all aboard the Oates boat. Their only loss this season came to UConn in the PK-85 I am a huge, huge fan of Alabama and what they've brought to the table this year. They're pretty balanced, kind of like Kansas. Um, the number 20 offense in the country, the number 12 defense in the country. They check in in the latest AP poll at number four with an 8-1 and one record on the season. And they've had challenges, too. That's the best part of it all. So fun fact for you here. Alabama is the first team since Duke back in 1965 to pick up victories against the number one team in the AP poll, two of them, they've knocked down two of them before the new year. First team since Duke in 1965 to do so. They had the quadruple overtime thriller against North Carolina, and then this past Saturday, the victory over Houston right now. The one concern I have with Alabama is the youth has led to a lot of turnovers right now, and that's something that they're just going to have to tie up some loose ends there. Um, you've got some some guys on the team like it, you look at someone like Noah Clowney, but even some of the veterans on this team like Javon Quinterly right now has a turnover rate almost at thirty percent. It's not what you want out of your point guard. He has been coming off the bench, coming back from an injury from last season. Um, but I, I look at the this Bama team is, and it's kind of like. Alabama teams in years past they're gonna have a chance in every single game because of the style of play that they have they're not a great three-point shooting team but I think that's largely in part due to the volume of shots that they take and they are one of the best offensive rebounding teams right now in the country top five and a lot of those offensive rebounds are off of three-point misses and they get them back and they hit it on the second chance maybe even the third chance so well, the three-point shooting number, it's at about 35% right now. Well, the three-point shooting number isn't great. I think it is one that is misleading because of how many attempts they take. They they have the 21st uh, rated three-point attempt rate in all of college basketball. So it's three-point attempts divided by field goal attempts right now. Nearly 50% of their shots are coming from three. Um, so that's why I think the 35%, even though it's – It's all right for a three-point percentage, but I think that you look at the context of it all, they're just shooting so many more threes, and they're getting offensive rebounds, so I don't think it matters as much. It may hurt them when they go up against a bigger team, kind of like what they did against UConn. UConn's a a big team with Adama Sanogo. Good team on the boards there. So if you can take care of that and keep getting those second-chance opportunities, you're going to have a chance to make a long, long run in the NCAA tournament. All right, on to number three in Tyler's top 12, and that is where we find the Virginia Cavaliers, a team that right now in the the current AP poll, At second, they had the second most first place votes with 19. They are undefeated, one of the few remaining undefeateds in all of college basketball this season. Currently sitting at ninth in Ken Palm right now. And I think that's maybe because some of their big wins this season haven't aged as well as they would have liked. They've also played in some close games Um, as of late, like you look at their last three games, five-point win against James Madison, who actually is a pretty good mid-major, right now sitting 76th in Ken Palm. Florida State, not a great team in the ACC, five-point win against them, and then a two-point win in the Big Ten ACC Challenge against Michigan. But your two kind of put-you-on-the-map-type victories for this season that kind of led to the ascent of Virginia for, for this season were Baylor and Illinois, two teams that have kind of dropped off a little bit. Illinois has had some suspect losses this year. Baylor isn't playing quite at the level that they're used to. Still a good team. Both of those teams are good teams, but they're not great teams as you thought they may have been when you went out and beat both of them in the main event out in Vegas. Again, I've said it plenty of times already, this is a loaded college basketball slate this weekend as Virginia takes on Houston. It would have been cool because it could have, potentially been the number one versus number two in the the AP poll. Um, but Virginia with the close call against James Madison and Houston obviously losing. So we will not be getting that game. Instead, um, it is number two versus number five, but not, nonetheless, still a great game this weekend that and Virginia will play host to Kelvin Sampson. All right, but I do like Virginia balanced offense to defense and they just kind of they play Virginia ball slow. You're probably not going to like it. Games in the 50s and 60s, but as John Rothstein likes to say, it is still a thing of beauty. All right, on to number two in Tyler's top 12, and that is where we find one of the hottest teams in the country. And that is the UConn Huskies, who are just blowing the doors off of everyone right now. 11-0, every single game has come by double digits as well. Their closest call so far this season, a 10-point victory against Oklahoma State back on December 1st. I really like this UConn team. Dan Hurley is a fantastic coach. He's a fiery dude. But UConn right now, 6th in offensive efficiency, 4th in defensive efficiency. And they're just blowing teams out, like I said. They, now, the reason why I, I'm not putting them number one is because of the fact that their schedule hasn't been as challenging as a team that I did put at number one, and I'll get to them in just a second. Um, their best win so far, a 15-point victory in the PK-85 against Alabama. I, I really like this team. They they play fantastic defense. Adama Sinogo is a player of the year candidate. They've got two great centers with Sunogo and then they bring Donovan Kling and 7-2 guy off the bench who can step out and shoot a little bit as well and then like you look at some of the the complementary roles on this team and and the guys that that make things happen defensively I mean you look at guys like Jordan Hawkins Andre Jackson I'm big fans of of what they bring to the team and and even some of the the supplementary pieces too and I'm here's what I'm most interested in with UConn is when the games are close what do Bob Hurley's rotations look like because right now you're seeing a number of guys get used like you go on Ken Palm, it kind of breaks it down for you major contributors significant contributors role players and limited roles usually you only see seven eight guys listed but this team right now is rolling with nine so what does the nine man rotation sort of look like for this team, or what does these seven-man rotation, seven-eight-man rotation, sort of look like for this team? Interested to see what that looks like. But they do things super efficiently. They're well coached. They've got stars. I like this UConn team. They play freaking hard too. Um, but they open up Biggies play this Saturday trip to Hinkle Fieldhouse, where things can get a little bit trippy sometimes. So uh, I'm intrigued by this game. But UConn has elevated to number one in Ken Palm right now. And they are number two in Tyler's top 12. And let's close it out here with the number one team in my top 12. That is the Purdue Boilermakers, who not just are number one with me, but number one among the AP voters as well. Got 27 first place votes. They are currently 10-0. and 0. And really the only thing separating Purdue from UConn right now is the schedule that they've played. I mentioned the blowouts that UConn has had. Well, Purdue has done that as well Gonzaga, they beat by 18. Duke, they beat by 19. Both of those coming on neutral floors as well. Um, they beat Marquette by five, but that game in the second half, they really had to, to take it to Marquette in the second half. They blew him out in that second half. Close call this past weekend. Three-point overtime win against Nebraska. So a little, little shaky there, but that is a, a road Big Ten victory for you. They're never going to come easy that way. A couple of, of gimmies before you get into the, the meat of Big Ten play, but it, it's going to be a pretty tough road to open up the, the Big Ten slate. You got home against Rutgers, on the road against Ohio State, and then on the road against Penn State as well, a Penn State team that just knocked off Illinois at the State Farm Center down in Champaign too. So you've got the guy right now that looks like the best player in the country in Zach Eady. You look at the the performances that he's put together this year every single night. It feels like it's going to be 20 and in the neighborhood of 10 to 15. I mean, you look at some of his recent rebounding numbers, 17, 18, and 22. Those are his last three games of rebounding. He also had seven blocks in that Nebraska game as well. Um, But the thing with Edie that I think he's gotten a lot better at this year is avoiding foul trouble and still being out there for extended minutes. You knew the minutes were going to come this year because Trevion Williams had graduated. Last year, Edie was only playing about 20 minutes a game. This year, he's playing 30 minutes a game. And in that Nebraska game, because he stayed out of foul trouble, was able to play 43 of the 45 minutes. So he's been the team MVP in every single game. According to Ken Palm for, for Purdue, they are a 10-0 team with the best player in college basketball right now in Zach Eady. It's really tough to ignore what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with with Purdue as my number one team right now in college basketball. They, they're they a juggernaut offensively, and the defense is better than what it's been in the past. Like You look at some of the things that may have held Purdue back in in recent years like last season super talented offensive team but you had the number 93 ranked defense when it was all said and done according to Ken Palm this Purdue defense right now currently at 29th in Ken Palm's efficiency metrics so the defense playing better has led to Purdue playing better and I think that's been the biggest change between last year and this year you bring in some some new faces sure you lose some guys that mean a ton to the program like I mentioned Williams obviously Jaden Ivey was a superstar last year for this team but you have found the the best big man in college basketball in Zach Eady and you've got some complimentary pieces that just kind of fit your team right now and fit it really well so they are my number one team in college basketball one last note I want to get to before we get on out of here and that is the story of a high school game. You may be wondering, why are you talking about high school basketball on a college show? Well, it, it kind of goes hand in hand, and that is the nationally televised game, the Geico High School Showcase, between Sierra Canyon and Christ the King. And why does that matter? Well, it was Bronny and Bryce James going up against Keon Anthony. That is LeBron James's kids going up against Carmelo Anthony's kids. 20 years to the day since... LeBron James made his national TV debut. This was a, a really cool game. Um, I didn't watch any of it, um, but I, I, I knew about the stories heading into it. So Sierra Canyon, you've probably heard of them before. They have they, they go out, they win this game by, by 11 points. But the thing that struck me was after the game, all right, obviously you got LeBron and you got Carmelo in attendance at this big-time showcase game. With their kids playing, and after the game, of course, they're going to take the picture of, of the five of them all together, right? Well, the one thing that stuck out to me was on Keon Anthony's warm-up the the Christ the King warm-ups are LeBron gear, like they are they've got the the king logo on them. They are LeBron sponsored, like a, a sect of Nike, like how Jordan's a sect of Nike. LeBron also has his own section of Nike. Um, and Christ the King wore the warm-ups that were branded by the King James brand. I I just find it hilarious because it reminds me a lot of what you see with Michael Jordan right now and kind of the influence that he has on college basketball. Because right now, when you look at some of MJ's old rivals that he would go up against in finals and in the Eastern Conference championships and stuff like that, Patrick Ewing, right, longtime LeBron James rival. Where's the Jumpman logo? as the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. Doesn't have a choice. Doesn't have a choice. He has to wear the Jumpman logo um, on his polos, on his warm-ups, his sweats, all that stuff. Shoes, he's got that Jumpman on it. Clyde Drexler, Houston alum, longtime Michael Jordan rival, also has to wear the Jumpman logo because Houston is a Jordan-branded school. Hakeem Olajuwon, who also had his bouts with Mike, also has to wear that Jumpman logo because he too, like Drexler, went to Houston. So it kind of like, that's where my mind went. When I saw Carmelo's kid having to wear LeBron gear, listen, I get Keon's probably a LeBron fan too, right? But it kind of, it made me think of like, oh, like... This is LeBron kind of getting back at at some of the old guys he used to go up against back in the day. Um, So that, to me, was really funny. But um, Keon Anthony, by the way, has that Syracuse offer, and knock on wood, he follows in the the footsteps of his father. Um, But, yeah, that, to me, was funny and cool to see from the week. It'll be interesting to see the recruiting paths of those three right now. I I think Bryce is the best of the three, Um, at least when when you – You see some of the rankings and stuff like that. Like The Athletic did a whole piece on Bronny James, how he's a four-star prospect with a five-star name. I think that was a really good way of putting it. Keon Anthony right now, he's a four-star guy. But it'll be interesting to see where all these guys end up, if they do end up going to college so looking forward to see how all that stuff plays out all right that's going to do it for us gave you my top 12 gave you some other stories from around college basketball we'll be back to pick some games with brian hanley make you some money this weekend uh we'll do that thursday or friday with you you can find it right here on the feed so be sure to subscribe you'll get it first thing when they're posted and be sure to tell all of your college hoops love and friends as well talk to you later this week